0: I don't know what was worse, the short notice or following that, but y'all ready? Good morning, beloved sisters and brothers. Good morning. Today, I want to take you on a journey, a journey through the pages of Scripture and through history that will remind us of the incredible truth that saints are not just figures of the past, but they are indeed alive and active in a real way in our lives today. So the title of my sermon is Saints Alive. Now this seemed appropriate for me for a lot of reasons. First, as we'll see, the saints who've gone before us can be alive to us in a lot of ways. Two of those ways are this, to encourage us in the here and now, and to point us to the hope, the certain hope of the future. A second reason for this title is that Saints Alive is an old-timey exclamation. You know, it's kind of like by Jove or good grief, and I don't know about you, but I'm always on the market for a good, wholesome exclamation. (laughs) And I was talking about this with Dr. Powers on Sunday, and he reminded me that in eastern Kentucky, Saints Alive is an exclamation that's still alive. People still say it. But sometimes they say, Sakes Alive, which is like a combination of for goodness sakes and Saints Alive. So there are people who still say saints alive the third reason that this title is appropriate it has to do with dr Maxie dunham who jessica you know shared with us earlier he was scheduled to preach today but he was hospitalized recently he's at home recovering now but um he wrote a book during the covid uh you know the early days of the covid pandemic entitled saints alive i thought that was an appropriate way for us to honor him together today And he, like so many of us, in the early days of March 2020, do you remember that March 2020? It both feels like yesterday and like 56 years ago at the same time. But in those early days of March 2020, Dr. Dunham didn't know how long the stay-at-home orders would last. And he figured, "Eh, maybe a month or so. So he pulled down a set of booklets that had been published by Upper Room Ministries years ago. And this collection was called Living Selections of Great Devotional Classics. But... Dr. Dunham in his fashion called it simply the box of saints. This collection had been meaningful to Dr. Dunham for 50 years. So during the early days of the pandemic, he figured that he would draw from this collection again, since God had used it in his life a number of times over the years. He selected 10 from that selection and he figured he would spend three days with each one and that that would get him through that month of stay at home orders. Of course, we all know the pandemic raged on, stay at home orders persisted, and the need for God's guidance continued. Thus, what a better day than All Saints' Day when we can turn to the pages of Scripture, we can look into the annals of church history, our universal box of saints, and we can be reminded that the lives of saints can point us to encouragement and hope. Will you pray with me? Spirit of God, We know you're present among us already. Make us aware of your presence. Will you unstick our ears? Will you open our eyes? Because we want to hear and see what you have for us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, I just have two points this morning. Just two things. Here's the first one. The saints can be alive for us today by giving us encouragement through their examples. The saints can be alive for us today by giving us encouragement through their examples. In the letter to the Hebrews, the author speaks of this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. I want you to think about that imagery for a minute, a great cloud. That really kind of feels ominous, doesn't it? Like a dark cloud rising or something. But this is not a cloud like that, it's a cloud of witnesses, witnesses who have faithfully run the race before us. They are our elder siblings in Christ, whether they knew it or not, and their lives speak volumes today, even in their heavenly repose. Each one of these witnesses in the prior chapter in Hebrews embarked on a remarkable journey of faith. This journey was filled with struggles, and it was filled with triumphs. Consider Abraham. He left his homeland He did so in joyful obedience to God's call. Or Moses, who led the Israelites out of bondage despite his shortcomings and all of the challenges they faced and that the Israelites caused. Think of Esther, who risked her life to save her people. Or of David, the shepherd boy, who became a great king, who was known for being after God's own heart. And then I want you to think about some of the box of saints saints that helped Dr. Dunham through those early days of the pandemic. William Law, who remained faithful in the face of injustice at the highest level. Bernard Clairvaux, who led a new monastic order despite major health challenges in his own life. Thomas Akempis, who pointed to the hope and beauty of Jesus, the light of Jesus in the midst of his deep, dark Personal trauma. What about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, stir, who stood firm in the face of an evil empire, and of course, we're at ATS, so John Wesley, who sought to live and promote holiness despite lots of hurdles externally and internally. What unites these saints, both from the book of Hebrews and Dr. Dunham's Box of Saints? It's the transformative power of faith. The transformative power of trusting God. These folks were not perfect. They were instead transformed by faith, just like you and me. Their lives are testimonies to God's faithfulness. They're testimonies to his sanctifying grace that molds us to become more like the Father's Son, more and more like Jesus Sometimes when we read Hebrews 12, it does feel kind of ominous. We imagine this great cloud of witnesses looking at us from their heavenly abodes, observing us, witnessing our lives being played out, maybe judging us or something. I don't really like the idea of people staring at me, right? I really like this, though. New Testament scholar F.F. F. Bruce addressed this concern in this way. He said, it's not so much they who look at us, but we who looked to them for encouragement. Interestingly, at least to me, Dr. Bruce was the PhD mentor of my PhD mentor, Don Hagner. And Dr. Hagner wrote these words about this passage. The original readers of the book of Hebrews together with Christians of every era, that's me and you, we are called to walk in the steps of faith that characterize the saints of the past and the one who has now been made Lord, Jesus of course. Only such an attitude of faith can sustain them during the adversities they may be called to face. Sisters and brothers, when we look at the lives of the saints who've gone before us, this great cloud of witnesses, may we not be discouraged, thinking that we'll never measure up. Instead, may we be inspired to live lives marked by the sanctifying grace that works within us. The saints are examples of this grace. The saints encourage us to persevere in our faith journey. The saints call us to to run the race set before us with endurance. They inspire us, sisters and brothers, to fix our gaze on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The first point, the saints are alive to us because they give us encouragement. Here's the second one. We're almost home. The saints can point us to hope. The saints can point us to hope. Let's transition to the book of Revelation here. We're given a glimpse into this awe-inspiring, eschatological, in-time vision, this vision of worship that transcends time and space. I want you to picture it. A multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Worshipping God in unison. This is what John the Revelator was permitted to see in his vision. And I want you to sit with that word with me for a minute. See. We see in Revelation 7-9 that John looked, he saw. And what did he see? Well, he saw a great multitude that no one could count. We've got that part. But he saw people from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and the lamb and he saw them worshiping he looked and he saw them he could see that they were from every nation every tribe every people and every language what does that mean it means at least this when John looked at these worshipers these saints worshiping at the throne and before the lamb he could see that they were different from one another they had different skin, different hair, different facial features, etc. They weren't homogenized into something unrecognizable on that side of the resurrection. But instead, they were distinctly embodied worshipers before the throne and the Lamb, in some ways retaining their visible racial ethnic markers. He saw, he saw every nation, tribe, people and language sisters and brothers our future our certain hope is being part of that beautifully diverse worshipping community forever it's not just our hope it's it's it is it's christian hope it's not like i hope i win the lottery it's christian hope it's a reality that awaits us it's a reminder of the church triumphant This body of believers from every nation, tribe, people, and language, united in worship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this hope we're talking about, friends, is not just something that we talk about in our creeds, or talk about in class, or read about in this chapter of the Bible. Friends, we need hope, don't we? We need hope. Peter Mazar, he's an author and a liturgist he's passed on now. One of those church triumphant folks. He noted that All Saints' Day begins the dark quarter of the year, and by that he, of course, means winter. This is what he said The dark quarter has long been the season of fears, and chief among these is the primordial fear of the dark. Nowadays, with a flick of a switch, we're able to hold some of the darkness at bay. We're also able, if we're fortunate, to insulate ourselves from a number of other fears that preoccupied our ancestors, especially in the dark quarter. The fear of hunger, the fear of starvation, the fear of running out of winter fuel, the fear of disease. However, the insulation is thin. Even with light, food, fuel, and medicine, the old fears are with us still. They hide in the shadows. They weigh on the soul. We may have managed to make ourselves more comfortable, but we can't keep death away. Sisters and brothers, we need hope. We need hope. The hope of All Saints Day, the hope of Revelation 7-9, friends, the hope of the resurrection of the body that we profess in the Apostles' Creed, that's the hope that propels us forward in the darkest of times. It's hope that from the future pulls us to it. It's what keeps us humble in our seasons of success. Hope, our hope, is what draws us deeper into a longing for the kingdom that's yet to come in fruition fully. So today I encourage you to draw inspiration from the saints. Let their stories remind you that God can work through imperfect vessels, pieces of work, <laughs> like you and me. Hold fast to the hope of the resurrection. And hold fast knowing that you are part of the church triumphant. As we prepare in just a moment to transition to a time of communion, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the perfect example of a life holy. Surrendered to the Father's will. His life embodies that which the saints inspire in us. So I want to conclude with a brief prayer. This is an All Saints Day collect written by Alevis Petrie, a Swedish reformer. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, grant, we ask you, that the example of your saints may inspire us to holy living. And as we commemorate their lives, give us your grace to follow them in faith and good works. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.